The following podcast was originally released for the fine folks over on my Patreon way back on Friday, October the 8th, 2021. You too can join the Patreon for just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr and get episodes just like this one at least one calendar week before everybody else. So what do you get when you cross a rhetorical question with a joke? Welcome to another episode of my other podcast. My name is Steven. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. I feel like there should be some kind of celebrations and whatnot, but I'm not here to talk about Friday. I'm not here to talk about the end of the week. I'm here to talk about Black Widow, the movie. I finally got around to seeing it. It just popped up for regular subscribers of Disney+. Plus. On October 6th. Yeah, it's been up there for a while. If I, if they, you know, if I wanted to pay 30 bucks to watch it. And frankly, if I was going to gather my entire family around and my parents and my, all my aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews and nieces and all that, then I might pay 30 bucks to see it. Cause that sure as heck would be a lot cheaper than going to the theater. But for just me, nah, I'm not paying $30 just to watch a movie. I was tempted. Temptation seeped into me a couple of times, but I was patient. I fought the temptation back and waited for the movie to uh, become available just for us regular old paying subscribers. And it finally is. So I'll say right off the bat that I feel like after the movie was released, there was a lot of negative comments, a lot of a lot of negative thoughts put out about the movie. And actually, I was on Facebook yesterday before I watched the movie, which, yeah, I probably shouldn't be on Facebook. It's it's the, the, the devil's dominion. But you know what? People I know are on Facebook. And if I want to talk to folks and all that junk, I got to be on Facebook. That's what the devil makes us do. But Anyway, somebody had mentioned that they finally got around to seeing Black Widow and they didn't understand what all the hate was about. And the response that I saw, one of the responses I saw was that the complaints that they were hearing was that it was a it was basically just a a, a, a copy of the Winter Soldier movie, the Captain America Winter Soldier, and that people felt that Black Widow wasn't much of a star in her own film. And a lot of people were really upset about the way Taskmaster was handled. And while I think that third complaint is valid, the other two just seem silly to me. The only thing that made it even similar to Winter Soldier, other than the fact that it was a, you know, kind of a a gritty spy thriller type of, you know, movie like Winter Soldier was, uh was the Taskmaster and the fact that the Taskmaster was basically a almost like a ruthless, mindless killing machine that Winter Soldier seemed to be during most of that movie. Other than that, there's really no other similarities. And to use the the genre 
as as a as an excuse for well, it's just like the Winter Soldier because you know it's toppling uh, secret government agencies and blah 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 and all. Well, you know what? There are a crap ton of movies that are like that. The Taskmaster uh, complaint, however, is valid, and I will talk about it here in a bit because I can, while I can understand the complaints about Taskmaster, I don't necessarily have those same complaints. So. This is a movie, if you haven't seen it yet, I am going to spoil the crap out of it. It takes place between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. And it basically takes up, you know, because if you remember in Civil War, there was a point where Natasha, the Black Widow, was on the side of, uh, of Iron Man, you know, on the side of the government. And then at one point she switched allegiances and... uh this is kind of the after the, when this movie opens up, that's kind of the aftermath of that uh, General Ross or or whatever. He's not the general anymore. He's like freaking secretary of defense or something. He and a bunch of people are after her. She is a fugitive, just like Steve Rogers is. And she has to go on the run and she has to go into hiding. But we also learn that the secret covert Russian organization that trained her, the Red Room, Apparently, she had been under the impression this entire time that that organization, that whole thing has been had been shut down. It was run by a certain general, Soviet general, that she apparently killed or she thought she killed when um, she was coming to shield when she was uh, converting. I, I, I for some reason, I can't think of the name defecting when she was defecting one of her one of her last tests was her and uh, Hawkeye, Clint Barton, in Budapest, blew up a building that had the general in it. And this is the, I'm assuming, the fabled Budapest. I think that's what they mention in the first Avengers movie. This is just like Budapest. You remember Budapest a lot different than I do. Maybe it wasn't Budapest. I don't quite remember now. But we also learned that when she blew up the building, she also killed this Soviet general's young daughter. Like a grade school age daughter. And she knew that even before she knew that she knew that this girl was going to die. She had to follow the girl to get to the dad, to get to the general. And when the girl was in the building, she blew up the building. And as far as she was concerned, and as far as shield was concerned, mission accomplished the red room, this whole uh, covert agency thing that uh, takes young girls off the street and converts them into assassins uh, against their will and and uh, assert psychological control over them. As far as they're concerned, this has now been shut down with the death of this this general. Well, there's this really good stuff at the very beginning with this family in Ohio, and and you're led to believe right at the beginning that it's Natasha's family. She's a preteen. She's got a little sister. They've all got Russian names, but they all speak perfect English with the perfect English accent. And then the father comes home and says, says to the mother, you know, it's, we need, it's, it's time. We need to leave within the hour. And then there's this big chase shield agents are chasing them. And they're, they board this little airplane, this little private airplane. And the, you know, with the, with the propeller on the front and they're trying to take off. And we quickly learn that the father, uh, has, uh, super strength. And it was, it was just a really awesome opening. 
which ends with them landing in Cuba. They get away. They 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 flee the shield agents. They land in Cuba. This Russian general is there with these soldiers, and they take the girls with them. You find out that the they were not a real family. It was all a it was all a cover for the two adults, Alexi and Millennia, Millennia, to uh, steal something from this shield outpost place in uh, freaking Ohio. And so the girls get shipped off to the to the red room. And Natasha's one and her little sister Yelena is the other. And they're not actually, again, they're not actually sisters. You know, we learn this later, but we meet up in the present day, or at least the present day in which this movie is set with Yelena, who's still a member. She's still there. She's a widow. That's what they call these assassins, these women, female assassins that work that, that are, you know, are, are being controlled by this general and his little red room organization thing and and majig and all that junk. And uh, they're after a particular target. And when Yelena finds her and stabs her and kills her as this woman is dying, she lets this mist, this red glowing mist loose in Yelena's face. And suddenly she wakes up this, whatever control they had over her, they had gone from like a, like psychological control with uh, Natasha to now chemical. They're using chemicals to control their brain. And this this antidote, basically, that this woman had on her is used to free these widows from their control. And so Yelena is free, and she has the uh, the, chemi- the the all these little ampules full of this this uh, antidote, and she sends it to Natasha, thinking Natasha's an Avenger, she can do something about it. Some of her Avengers friends and Thor and you know, Thor and Iron Man can can come and 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 stop the you know stop the Red Room and all this junk. And anyway, it's just this great this great thriller of a movie. It's got just some great action sequences. And the Taskmaster uh, is part of this whole Red Room thing. He is a well. I'm going to say he first because you assume it's a dude throughout most of the movie. You find out it's a woman later. We'll get to that. But the Taskmaster is part of this Red Room organization. It's like a special project of the general. And here's here's where I started I started to understand the complaints because in the comic books, the Taskmaster is this guy believed to have been born in the Bronx. He has a superpower, which is the ability to mimic the physical movements of anybody that he witnesses. So basically what that means is he can watch Captain America fight. He can watch Hawkeye shoot arrows. He can watch Shang-Chi fight. He can watch Daredevil fight. He can watch Spider-Man fight. He can watch Blade using his sword. He can basically he can be, uh, you know, he watches all this and suddenly he can fight just like Captain America and Spider-Man and Daredevil and Shang-Chi. And he can shoot arrows like Hawkeye and use a sword like Blade and and eventually, I don't know his 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 entire backstory. Um, I know that they call they refer to his power as photographic reflexes, and that at one point he becomes basically a uh, a supervillain trainer for hire or something. He 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 trains other supervillains to fight. He was a he was like a mercenary maybe at one point or a hitman, and then he. Uh, starts training bad guys at one point, I think during the whole 
Avengers initiative after Civil War in the comic books, he's hired by the government to work for the Avengers initiative and lead the training program, training uh, superheroes that have, you know, signed the registry and, and, uh, and, and all that stuff. But in this movie, we learn that, I mean, when we first are introduced to Taskmaster, you're kind of confused at first. Is, is this a robot? Because it's just this mindless killing machine. And we keep seeing from its uh, uh, vantage, from its point of view, like watching Natasha as it's as she's fighting him. And it's it's like you see this computer readout almost where it's uh, memorizing her her fighting style and predicting what's going to happen next and, and all this stuff. And then incorporating that into their fighting style. And the skull mask is more of a helmet and the uh, the visor over this person's eyes has this red light that sometimes will pulse back and forth like a freaking Cylon from, from a uh, Battlestar Galactica. So at first I'm like, okay, well I understand the complaints now on one side, this is very much like the winter soldier. The, the taskmaster is very much like the winter soldier, a mysterious hitman uh, held back unless he is needed. And there was a moment where one of the widows activates him by touching him on his faceplate and mimicking a smile. And I think she even says smile and that activates the taskmaster. And then every time you see him in the movie, like I said, he's just this mindless, never speaking killing machine with, uh, you know, has a, has a task to perform and that task will be performed until the taskmaster is either dead or the task is completed. However, we learn near the end of the movie that the taskmaster is actually this Soviet general's daughter who we thought was killed by Natasha. And uh, she is very scarred in the face and whatnot. And the guy says that he had to, in order to save her life, he had to install a chip in the back of her head. And then now he uses that to control her. And so I get it. It's I think a lot of people are like, okay, this is not even close to who the taskmaster is. I mean, it is, but it isn't right. I think a lot of, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just automatically jump on the, uh, sexism, uh, blame game here, but I almost feel like that in a lot of these cases, when people are complaining about how a character differs so much from the original, it always seems to be when their gender changes or their race changes. Uh, I don't feel like I heard any backlash in regard, not not a lot, not as much backlash when it was revealed in the Captain Marvel movies that the scrolls were basically the good guys and the Kree were the bad guys, which is the complete opposite of how it is in the books. In fact, people thought a lot of stuff I read, people thought that that was just genius. And I, I didn't have any problem with it either. And I don't have any problem with Taskmaster. In fact, based on who Taskmaster is in the comics, the, the way this movie ends other than the fact that Taskmaster is a completely different person and a woman, there's still the potential of Taskmaster being what Taskmaster was in the comics, just as a female. Because Taskmaster, she doesn't die at the end of it. She's freed. Uh, she's freed of the mind control that her father had 
put upon her. And she's taken away by a group of widows who were also freed from that mind control. And so there's potential there. It's just going to be instead of a dude from Brooklyn, it's going to be a woman from Russia. And I have no issues with that at all. And another complaint I heard about Taskmaster was that there was a lot of, you know, a lot of wasted potential. And, and sure, if this is going to be the only time we ever see Taskmaster, yes, it was a it was a waste of a character, not, you know, so much potential in a great villain that they didn't use in this movie at all. But I we're going to see Taskmaster again. I just know we are there. Marvel is not going to waste a character like that. They're not going to introduce a character like that, not do a lot with them and then just never use them again, because really you could almost consider Taskmaster's story arc in this movie as their origin story. And so we've just we've just barely scratched the surface of who this version of the Taskmaster is. And I think we're going to see a lot more of them. Uh as far as Natasha not being a star in her own movie, I don't I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I do feel like to a certain extent this movie, because of course the character had died in the Avengers um, Endgame before this movie was made, it does feel like this movie was made to kind of pass the baton uh, to her little sister Yelena to be the new Black Widow. And I'm fine with that. You know, a lot of people were very upset that they killed Natasha off and very upset at Disney and Marvel for doing that. And we don't know why. We don't know the story behind that. As far as I know, we don't know if if maybe, you know, because at a certain point, these actors and actresses, they sign these contracts with these studios. I'm going to play this character for this many movies. And some actors and actresses, that's all they want to do. You know, I'm going to do these seven movies and that's it. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to play this character. I'm not going to age trying to play this, this, uh, you know, jumping all over the place, kicking people in the face type of character. Because after a while, you know, it starts being not believable that somebody at a certain age can do that. Not that Scarlett Johansson has reached that age, not by a long shot, but she may... She may be very happy no longer playing this character. You know, she's she's put in a number of movies and she's done. She's she's ready to move on to other things. And with that being said, even though she's done playing the Black Widow doesn't mean that we have to stop having a Black Widow in the movies. And frankly, I'd rather it be a completely different character than them just casting someone else to play Natasha Romanoff. And I felt like that's kind of what this movie was setting up. There's there's been a lot of talk and rumors about a Dark Avengers team or a Thunderbolts team being put together and we're we're there there are certain things like with the the the, the character that uh Julia Louise Dreyfus plays in this movie at the very end. She shows up at the very end to talk to Yelena. Yelena's already working for her. And she says, uh, I have a new, I have your new target. I thought I'd give it to you personally because, you know, how would you like to take out the guy that killed your sister? And she shows her a digital image of Clint Barton. Of course, we know that Clint didn't kill her. We know that. So I would, I don't know if, uh, Valentina knows that. And she, what, you know, you know, we don't know what kind of game she's playing, but here now we've got dark black widow. Right. If we want to think of a Dark Avengers or a Thunderbolts team, Valentina also shows up in the 
Falcon and Winter Soldier show to recruit the the guy, now I can't think of his name, who is Captain America for a little bit. He becomes U.S. agent. And so now there's your dark Captain America. And so we have our Secretary of State or whoever, whatever he is, whatever political figure he is now, General Thunderbolt Ross. So a lot of people, it's a lot of rumors that they are building a version of the Avengers that will be called the Thunderbolts that will be answerable to the U.S. government and controlled by Thunderbolt Ross. So I like that idea. I like it a lot. I'm looking forward to maybe a a point where the Avengers and this Dark Avengers team go up against each other. Yeah, I'm just I don't know. I'm just we've we've hit a point here with, you know, the new phase of Marvel movies where it's like we're kind of starting over. We, we spent the 10 years or however it was getting introduced to these characters, Iron Man and then Thor and then Captain America and then Black Widow and, and, and Hawkeye. And, you know, and, and, and as, as those, you know, that first whole, I mean, I consider it the first storyline going from the first Iron Man to end game. And we were introduced to, to, to all these great characters that ended up all showing up at the end, you know, during the final battle of Endgame. And now we're starting the next chapter, the next big storyline. And and again, we're starting small. We've been introduced to a possible new Black Widow. We've been introduced to a possible, well, to the new U.S. agent to a certain extent. We were being introduced to Shang-Chi, and I'm so looking forward to seeing that movie. We're getting the Eternals. We're going to get a new Captain America movie with Sam Wilson. And, and I'm just looking forward to watching this next chapter be built over the next 10 years or so and to see where it's leading. Are we going to, are we going to get a secret wars? Is it going to be classic eighties secret wars? Is it going to be Jonathan Hickman's secret wars? What, you know, how does, how is Kang involved? Because we got this whole multiverse thing happening with Scarlet Witch and Dr. Strange and Spider-Man and, and good Lord, there's just so much potential coming up in this next, you know, I know it's like what phase four or phase five, but I'm, I almost look at it as phase two. Phase one was everything from Iron Man to end game. And now we're in the next phase We're we're in the next big story arc, the next big storyline to learn who the new big bad is. Is it going to be Kang? Are we going to get Galactus? You know, we're going to get some mutants. We're going to get some X-Men. We're going to get some fantastic four, you know, we're starting small. The pandemic didn't help. You know, it's not like we're jumping into the second phase with with, uh, you know, feet first and just we're getting thrown into this chaotic swill that is the Marvel Universe. It's 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 like we're we're starting over. We're starting small again. We're getting introduced to some new characters and and how they're going to be incorporated into the Marvel Universe. And and uh, Elena is going to be one of those people. Um but yeah, I really enjoyed the Black Widow movie. I also liked some of the callbacks to the other Russian superheroes. You know, the guy, um, I can never remember his name, but he was the he the Red Guardian. That was the character he played in this movie. And at one point, somebody refers to him as the Crimson Dynamo, which is another Russian superpowered character. And at another point, he's he's arm wrestling people in prison and he's beating all of them because he has super you know, superhuman strength. And this giant, just freaking giant of a man comes up and they arm wrestle and he breaks the guy's arm and he calls him Ursa, which is the bear. Ursa Major, I think, is was that character, that super powered character, Russian hero type thing. 
I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed those little callbacks. I'm sure there were more that I missed all over the place because as long as I've been reading Marvel comics, I, I often discover I'm not as steeped in the knowledge that I have always thought I was. I, I have forgotten more than most people, you know, than I don't know. My memory is so bad. I've forgotten so much, but I did pick up on those two things. And, uh, I really love the whole thing between Yelena and Natasha with the whole, the way, uh, Natasha, when she's leaping from something, the way she lands, she's such a poser and how Yelena just thinks that's just so she's a poser is disgusting. It's, you, you know, it's so stupid. The, the only reason she's doing it is because she's expecting people that they're all looking at her. And then Yelena finds herself doing it at one point and she's really disgusted with herself. And, uh, the whole dynamic of that quote unquote family, because they're all reunited at one point. And you think there's a betrayal and there's not. It's just, it's really good. I thought it was a really good movie. I can understand the Taskmaster complaints. I don't understand the other complaints. And uh, I'm not one who has a complaint about the Taskmaster. I think I think the Taskmaster was handled fine for this movie. And I think we're going to see more of that character later on down the road. That's it. That's the episode, folks. Uh, before I go, let's talk about my upcoming Just Another Fanboy schedule. This is Friday, October 8th. The next episode of Just Another Fanboy will come out on Tuesday, October 12th, and that'll be uh, What If, episodes 7 through 9. Now, this will be my third installment looking at the show What If on Disney+. And the first two installments featured uh, a guest on the show, Harold Jennett. It doesn't sound like he's going to be able to join me this week. So there's a a very strong possibility that this episode looking at looking at what if episode seven through nine will just be me. Um, We'll see. But so far, that's what it looks like. After that, episode 213 on October 19th is going to be Madman Part 10. Episode 214 will be October's book of the month, which is Green Arrow year one. and then. On November 2nd, episode number 215, I'll be talking about The Eye of the World. This is the first book in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. Really looking forward to the show that's coming out on Prime. And so I started re-listening to the the audiobooks. There's like 15 of them, and I never did finish the series. And I'm about four hours away from finishing it, so there should be no problem having it done by then. I don't have anything scheduled for episodes 216 and 217 yet. That's November 9th and November 16th. Um, Technically, episode 217, well, episode 217, 218, and 219 will wrap up season five of Just Another Fanboy. 218, I have scheduled to be uh, a replay of the first episode of The Streaming Fool, which is the new show that I'm going to be working on that I'm going to be testing out and it's going to launch on November 22nd. So I thought I'd also play the episode on the, just another fanboy feed on November 23rd. So I can get a little bit more exposure to it. And then episode 219, because technically at that point the season's over, but I don't like to, when I take a break from just another fanboy, cause I'm going to take a break and try to focus a bit on the streaming fool for about a month, but I don't like to just not release stuff during the the breaks between seasons. So at the very least, episode 219 will be a repost of this episode here where I'm talking about the Black Widow. So it'll be a 
it'll be in, in, in other, uh, my other podcast, you know, highlight episode, and that'll be on November 30th. Beyond that, I have nothing else planned for just another fanboy. I don't know when season six will start up at this point. Uh, but in November and December, I will be doing the streaming fool. Uh, I've, I've written out a small trailer for that and here I'll, I'll just, I'll just run it by you guys. It's it right now. Basically what I have written up for the trailer is going to be very short. It's going to be a short trailer and I'll, I'll, you know, with, without the music, I'll, I'll read you what I, what I have planned for the trailer so far. Ready? Here we go. Maybe I'll play some music. Here's the music. Hey folks, welcome to the trailer for my new show, The Streaming Fool. I'm your host, most folks call me Steven, and this is a podcast where I talk about all the TV shows and movies I watch through all of the various streaming services I subscribe to. While I don't have them all, I currently subscribe to HBO Max, Disney+, Hulu, Netflix, and Prime, and I watch all kinds of stuff on them. For example, I'm currently in the middle of Deadwood on HBO Max. I just finished Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, and I'm looking forward to The Wheel of Time on Prime, Hawkeye and the Book of Boba Fett on Disney+, and the final season of Lost in Space on Netflix. While many of the episodes on The Streaming Fool will focus on watching and then talking about brand new episodes of shows that land weekly on places like Disney+, Prime, and Hulu, that's not going to stop me from talking about seasons of shows that are already up, like Deadwood, Only Murders in the Building, and so on and so forth. In fact, I do plan on doing season catch-ups for shows I haven't yet covered, but have new seasons starting up soon. A good example of that would be Only Murders in the Building. Season 1 is complete, and it's been announced that there will be a season 2. Well, the week before season 2 launches, I'll do a season 1 catch-up to get everyone ready. I'm also going to throw in some news now and again, you know, what's coming up, casting announcements, and that sort of thing. So there you go, The Streaming Fool, and it all kicks off on Monday, November 22nd, where I'm going to be talking about the first three episodes of The Wheel of Time, all of which land on Prime on Friday, November 19th. Subscribe now so that you don't miss a thing. So anyway, that's kind of the planned trailer. That's just a first draft at this point. Um, I mentioned in it, of course, that I finished watching Only Murders in the Building. As of now that we're talking about it, that th there's still a couple episodes left. But by the time the trailer comes out, the show will be, the first season will be completed. So that's that's why I said that, okay? I'm writing about stuff that's happening in future time. But that's it. That's the schedule. That's what I got planned for November and December. And then we'll see how 2022 goes, folks. Catch you next week. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>